Community Church. <laughs> Just want to welcome you to Champion Lakes. He's had a great week. Wow, awesome. We've got something before I carry on. We've got Outreach Sunday, so it's exciting. So I'm going to call upon Dave and Lisa, who's our outreach leaders, to present what's happening in the mission field. Amen. Hello. There we go. We just serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, yeah? Man, God is good. You know, I um, we are focused on being significant locally and globally. And, um, oh man, I just really believe that we are going to see as a church, we're going to see God do great things in the nations. I really believe that. I really believe that um, you could look at some nations and think they are completely dead to God. And I believe that the word of the Lord about that is that, that, is that scripture when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, when, when everything says, no, we can't see Pakistan come to Jesus, when everything says, we can't see, see India come to Jesus, when everything, when the stone has been rolled over the tomb and it seems that those nations are dead to God, I speak a word in Jesus' name. Roll the stone away. Take the stone away and Lazarus come forth in Jesus' name. God, we just believe that you can do signs, wonders, and miracles through this church, God, and through the church globally, God, that we will see the nations know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And we will see you move in these nations, God. Who agrees with me on that? Come on. I love being in a Pentecostal church. So, um, Elisha um, has, it is that time of the year where Elijah has brought out a calendar. Um, everybody needs a calendar and everybody needs Christmas gifts. Um, so, guys, if you are thinking of what can I buy um, for somebody for Christmas, please support Elijah. It's $10 a calendar. I'm going to be coming around and harassing you at the end of church and saying, buy a calendar and I want you to buy one, okay? Um, it, look, it, Elijah's doing great things. We're very familiar with, with, with the great stuff that Elijah's doing. Um, do yourself a favor. Get some Christmas gifts. Buy a couple. Give them away. It's um, a very acceptable gift for somebody who isn't a Christian. It's, it's a great gift. So, yes, buy one. Yes. Cool. Um, we have something. Um, we love to um, uh, feature local champions and, and, and just give people give the church an understanding of what some of the great things that people in our church are doing. Um, so I'll pass to Lisa and she will introduce our next speaker. <laughs> yeah, so um, getting to know people in the church and you'll ask them what they're doing. There's, there's lots of people that are doing things locally. They're, they're on their little mission field and there's some people that are doing stuff overseas and coming back. And um, so a while back um, I had a conversation with Sue Gould and it was very exciting to hear her story and what she's doing. And it's a long-term project. She's going to share um, what she's doing. She is a uh, missionary kid. And her husband is a missionary kid. And they actually knew each other um, um, back in the day. <laughs> they grew up together. And then they ended up getting married. And it's such a sweet story. Um, but, yeah, she's gonna, just going to share in a project that um, her and her husband are doing in Papua New Guinea. It's really exciting. So welcome, Sue Gould, our local missionary. 
Thank you. <laughs> just want to read from the scripture. I need my glasses. Just found out I need them the other week. It's shocking. <laughs> okay, here we go. From Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 11. But how are people to call upon him who they have not believed? Um, and how are they to believe on whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? And how can men preach unless they are sent? Is it, sorry, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings? And just one more from Matthew 28, which is a, a classic. Um, Jesus said to his disciples before he left the earth, Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days uh, and to the close and the end of the age. So as a Mishai kid, those are words that are very dear to our heart. Um, <laughs> We've grown up with those words ringing in our ears. And um, I guess uh, as, a, as a missionary child that um, your life is expended in looking out for other people. Um, we've grown up in that culture and uh, it just becomes a part of your life that you're constantly looking out, thinking about others and how you can touch their lives for Jesus. So Sam, could you bring up the first slide, please? Okay, my husband and I uh, were both missionary kids in a place called Tari in Papua New Guinea. Uh, it's in, in the Southern Highlands. And the people up there um, are Huli people. And uh, they are very fierce people. And um, it's only been in the last 50, 60 years that the gospel has actually been into Papua New Guinea. So it's still a very young nation. But um, the missionaries did amazing work through the 60s and the 70s and um, the gospel was spread very rapidly through the country. Um, there are still villages in the highlands and the jungles of New Guinea that have not been reached. And um, there's over 8,000 language groups. So the, the common language is um, pidgin at the moment. English is very prevalent. But inside of that, you have 8,000 dialects of different languages. So you can imagine it's a huge task. And uh, we're only in one little, one little drop of, um, in the ocean up there. I grew up in the lowlands in the western province of New Guinea in a little village in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And um, it was an awesome life. And I recently went back there about two months ago after 30 years. And um, it, was abs it was just like going back in time. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, like we said to the people, we might be white on the outside, but we are black inside. <laughs> because that's where we were born. I said, that's my roots are here. And um, yeah, it was like going home. It was just beautiful. And uh, the people that my parents were missionaries to, they were actually headhunters. Um, and so 50 years out of, out of that is not a long time for um, people to stop eating each other. But um, God has been good and he's moving amongst his people there. So um, we are beginning a radio station in Tari and um, they have no radio, they have no newspaper, they have no TVs. So um, this is a vital, vital, um, uh, what do you call it, piece of technology that they desperately need. 
and um, it, we have been trying to get there for six years and um, it's very, very difficult trying to work with people from another culture, especially a culture that's um, a bit backward compared to our Western culture. Uh, communication is terribly difficult and it's extremely expensive. You can see from Perth right up to the um, southern highlands of PNG, you have to go across Perth, uh, from Perth over east and then up. So it's, um, you know, it starts to add up over a while. Our next slide, please. Okay, um, our little radio station, we have a logo for it, um, which we, and that's all in Huli. It's, um, this particular bird is, a, is called a messenger bird. Um, and so they wanted to use that in their logo because they want to let people know that they're telling the good news gospel of Jesus. So we're going up there to serve the community through radio. Our next slide, please. Okay, why radio? It reaches and builds the community. Uh, PNG has an oral history in storytelling. They don't have books. Uh, you can't keep paper up there for a long time because the cockroaches eat it. It's very, very humid, so weather deteriorates things. So a lot of the history is through oral communication. Um, so radio is ideal because you can still tell stories over the radio. Um, spread the message of Jesus through Bible studies and lessons. Um, peace building, community and health development. You might be surprised, but AIDS is actually prevalent in um, PNG and it's um, growing extremely rapidly because of lack of information and ignorance. Um, yeah, it's a shocking disease and it's taking hold very, very quickly. Um, we're looking at community and health development, literacy and education, news, local and around the world. They're dying to know what's happening around the world. Uh, music development. We want to build a radio, um, a, a studio where we can bring in local bands, record their music and play it, which they're very excited about. And politics, obviously. Uh, that's very important to them too. Okay, next slide. Who needs it? Our wonderful holy men need it. Next slide. Our women and children. They still live in their grass huts and they farm their land. The women work extremely hard. Yeah, next slide. Pig farmers. Pigs are their gold. You buy everything with pigs, including your wife. Yeah, when, when, Lucy, when Lucy comes next Sunday, ask her how many pigs she was got for. A lot, I can tell you. She was worth a lot. Yeah, next slide. This is our radio studio. Um, it's an awesome little building. We got it built by the Curtin Brothers, who are a, a road maintenance and engineering group that are working in PNG at the moment. And this is part of their community development to give back to the community. So they built our little building for us. Um, it's on stilts to keep uh, rascals out um, so that people can't break in and rob and steal, which they love to do. So we had to build it up nice and high. Okay, next slide. Okay, where that arrow is pointing, that mountain, I can't remember how high it is, but we don't have mountains like that here in WA. <laughs> but they are extremely high. And we want to put an um, aerial up on that hill. So um, the antenna, we have it. It's in a shipping container sitting on the wharf in Ley. It's been there for a year because we can't get it off it at the moment. So we're praying very hard, trying to work very hard to get that removed um, and transported up to Tari. 
um, yeah, so that's what we're waiting on at the moment. Uh, even the travel from Leh by road to Tari is perilous because um, there's a lot of hijacking and robbers along the way. So we actually have to have a police escort with the container if we send it. So when you think about it, things start to get very expensive. Yeah, so next slide, please. Okay, current needs. We need power to the radio station, building and transmitter site. We need godly men and women to operate the managerial roles. Uh, safety for equipment, especially in Tutari from the coast. Communication with the outside world to be improved because it's just terrible trying to get in touch. Dialogue and clear vision from all communities and the gold mine. The Porgara gold mine is one of the biggest gold mines in the world um, and it's situated right next to Tari Town. And, um, yeah, we, we want to be able to work with them so that they can input back into the community um, and to build strong bridges into the community as well. Holy people are very suspicious people and it's difficult building up their trust and, um, you know, getting a good working relationship with them. You've got to go through many levels of hierarchy <laughs> um, yeah, in that situation. Okay, next slide. Okay, our associates... Um, is ECPNG, Evangelical Church of Papua New Guinea, that's who we work with, uh, and the local Indigenous church, um, HCR, Health Communication Resources. They are a group of Christian people who work with radio stations all around the world, but they don't, they don't advertise as Christians, and they have been able to go into Muslim countries, develop radio stations, and then bring in the gospel in a very subtle way. So people have come to know Jesus um, in that way, which has been awesome. So they're a great group to work with. And, and there's you, who are our local church friends and family, um, that you can support us if you want to. Um, okay, next slide. This is my family. Um, there's Ben and Alika, Haley, myself and Martin. Martin couldn't be here this morning. He's an audio engineer and he's constantly doing cricket, football, shows, what have you. So unfortunately he doesn't get to church very often. But um, he's still very passionate about uh, following Jesus and doing what he wants us to do. So that's our little family. And next slide. So thank you for being involved, even if it's through prayer. Um, you know, that's the best and greatest thing that we can desire is that we pray through the strongholds that block us from doing what God wants us to do. So... Um, yeah, think of these people. It's um, a nation that's in turmoil constantly through tribal fighting and warfare and um, they really need the gospel. They know, they know a little bit about God and Jesus but they really need to know him inside. So we just um, value your prayers in, in, you know, for the radio station that we will get this moving and the gospel to be spread. So thank you very much. Wow, that's awesome, hey. Like, who knew a little bit about that? Who knows about it now? Everybody. Yeah, so we have achieved our commission. Yeah, that's great, hey. Sue, that's a great. It's so good what you're doing there. Um, uh, let's just pray um, for Sue. And um, I think we need to organize some sort of fridge magnet or something because so, we really need to get behind these guys in prayer. Like, that, their antenna has been stuck on the dock for 12 months. Like, enough is enough. Let's get behind them and pray it, pray it off that dock, yeah? 
yeah, we need to we need to go into prayer because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And when we're moved by the spirit to pray, things change. Lord God, we thank you, God, that you are doing a great work in PNG, God. God, I pray, God, that you would be with Sue and Martin and their family, Lord. God, that you would give them strategy and wisdom, God. God, Father, God, we thank you that you're going to remind us from time to time and your spirit will come on us and we will pray, God. And I pray that we would start to see things move in Jesus' name. We pray for that antenna that's stuck on the dock, God. We pray right now, God, that the the things that are blocking it, the principalities and powers that are stopping that from moving, we speak God's power. God, your power to move in this situation, Lord. God, the right people, the right things to happen in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the strategy that's needed, God, to get that antenna on that mountain in Jesus mighty name we all agree and say amen amen thanks Dave Lisa thank you for that well as I said it's outreach Sunday so uh, we're just going to now if you like to stand and get ready we're going to collect this morning's offering and also the outreach offering which goes in the bucket and the other offering so if you like to stand and um I would sing, but I can't, so there's really, <laughs> yeah, so if you'd like to come forward and let's just pray. Thank you, Father, Lord, for today's offering. We thank you, Lord, Father, for the abundance that you give unto us, Lord, Father, that we're able to share, Lord, Father. We thank you, Lord, Father, as we sow locally and internationally, Lord, Father. We thank you for the people that are on the front liners or, Lord, Father, that are willing to give, Lord, Father. We thank you, Lord, Father, what you're doing in the world. We thank you for our mission field. We thank you for the people that have said yes to their callings, Lord, Father. We thank you for this church, Lord, Father, that you are. We thank you that you trust us so much to do the right thing. And we thank you, Father, that, um, Lord, Father, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, quickly, so we want the word of God to come forward. So 16th of December, next week is Christmas lunch. Who's coming? Who signed up? Who's ready to eat a lot? Not me. So, all right. So this whole two, three weeks, I think, is just going to be full of eating. So come along. We've got our team, Lisa, and we've got Sarah, and we've got Dave, and we've got the crew. We've got some surprises happening next Sunday. So when is it? Straight after church. Next week, stay back, bring some friends and family. That will be great. Um, 31st of December, if you have nothing to do, New Year's Eve, Gary and his team has put together a great night out. 9 p.m., Gary doesn't think, Gary, you have. 9 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. on the 31st of December. Come along, bring a plate of food. There's going to be some DVDs, music, and we're going to pray in the new year. And also, just to let you know that there will be a prayer and fasting um, from the 1st of the 1st, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the month of January. Please see Gary. Children's Church next week. Who just loves watching children do their thing, like the items that they bring and they bless our hearts? Next Sunday during the service, there will be a presentation by the Children's Church. So please come along, bring your cameras, bring your grandmothers, bring your grandparents, <laughs> bring your aunties. That will be great. So that will be during the AM service. Just note the playground will be shut down next week um, during the Christmas lunch um, so, so the kids can be a part of the Christmas party. Children's Church will have its last Sunday um, service on the 23rd of December. And they'll end it with a party. They'll be involved in our in the church in the month of January. And they'll resume back on the 3rd of February. So please come along. Christmas service, 25th. 
we will be having a one-hour service from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., so please come along. Sunday Night Lights is back tonight. So come along, 6 p.m., question and answers, the panel. Well, questions anyway. Questions. Don't know about answers half the time. We'll, we'll, we'll try and answer any question. But. So we're going to do a great job. So the panel, if you want to bring in your questions that you're not quite sure and you want some clarification, come along tonight, 6 p.m. Just want to say have a great Christmas. I'm out of here. I'm out of, on holidays for the next two weeks. So to all, to all my friends and family here, thank you and have a blessed Christmas and I'll see you um, towards the new year. Amen. Fantastic. Thanks, Karen. Awesome. Good morning. How are you all? Just, uh, fantastic. It's uh, good to be here this morning. And to be worshipping with you today. And I want to encourage all of us here. You know, if you call uh, Champion Lakes home, then this is for you. If you're just visiting today, then it's fantastic. Great to have you here. Really do appreciate your uh, engagement with us today. But I think we need to understand, as a church, we have to contend for the presence of God. It's not an automatic. We fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all those things work against having the tangible manifest presence of God. So, guys, we're not here to entertain. We're here to engage. And so uh, I, I think sometimes God is, uh, you know, in the words of Ecclesiastes, the lover has made himself ready to come to knock on the door to have intimate relationship with his chosen bride. And he says, well, I've gone to bed. I'm a bit tired. You know, it's a bit inconvenient for me now. So sometimes we just need to shake ourselves, don't we? No, okay, we don't. Sometimes we need to shake ourselves and say, I love God and I'm going to get over my attitudes, over my flesh, over the world's pressure upon my life and all the things that I might be dealing with and we need to just say, God, I love you. And there's something about that when we magnify God, our problems tend to get smaller and reduced down and things begin to happen. So that's great. So that was great. Where's Sue gone? Is Sue in? She's, she's doing teenagers, is she? I would love her to uh, actually help her financially. I think it's a great thing that we're doing. And you know, one of the reasons I would like God to add to our church is because it means we can add to what we do in the world. It's not about us getting bigger or better. It's about what can we do for Jesus in the world. And so I'd love her to put some money into that. Babe, let's have a look out of the drawer of the trunk. We may have some receipts in there. A bit spending. <laughs> we'll talk to Jeff, eh? <laughs> Jeff! <laughs> Fantastic. Is that the gold mine you worked up in? Different area? No, okay. Avoided it, <laughs> probably for some of the reasons that Sue was talking about. Yeah, um, I don't know if this is a good news announcement or a bad news announcement, but Jim Graham died on Monday, and it's it's always sad when you have those sorts of things happen when someone has been such a significant part of the church's life for so many years, and they leave us and they go home to hell, and yet. Uh, if you had to write the last chapter of your life, it's not a bad way to go. Uh, 
he's been suffering some uh, decline in his ability and they planned that they would take a last trip back to the old country and Carolyn tells me that uh, the moment he met his brother and there was this magic moment with his brother and you know this is the British stiff upper reserve British you know not not you guys you've all been saved but you know the other one the stiff and his brother said I love you it was just a moment like that and from that moment onwards, he began to actually deteriorate quite rapidly. Went in the hospital Monday, about lunchtime, and he died about 10 o'clock that morning. If he spent Friday and he died with his family around him, this is a bad spot. It's a new heart. And he's tapping away as best he can. It's actually not a bad way to go. Elsie had that moment where she said to me, you are so touched by his son and brother. I'll tell you what, I've had the privilege of seeing Christians die and I've had the uncomfortableness of watching non-Christians die through painful, absolutely painful. And so we'll all see Jim in the morning. But in the meantime... Prayers and the love and the support go out of Elsie and Carolyn and the grandchildren and the great grandchildren. In fact, the clan, and uh, so we'll be fortunate then. So I just thought it'd be good to advise you of that, and we'll just pray for them right now. Part of our family, dear Jesus, Lord, we thank you for James, Lord, a small man in statue, but a big man in heart, Lord, someone who's passionately caring, Lord. Even when, Lord, I, I last saw him, Father, he's talking about missions and he's counting money, Lord, with his fingers, Lord. It was amazing. Lord, we thank you that one of your heroes has arrived home safe, Lord, to a victorious welcome of angels and by his charity. But, Lord, we think of the family who have been left behind, there's things to do and there's arrangements, and, Lord, some significant adjustments, Lord, to life for those that are left behind. Lord, be with them, we pray. Comfort them, Lord, in a special way. Wrap your arms around them. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. And uh, for those who are assisting us with um, help for the Gill family, Isaac and Zahida, it's good to have them in church again today. We really do appreciate the assistance you're giving to us. So right now we're down to that. And one day, Isaac, we might ask you to tell us what it's like being a, Paki- uh, a Christian in Pakistan. Because it's one thing to talk about missions over there, but here's missions right here. And it's right on your doorstep. So you might want to explore that. And Jonathan got his commercial pilot's license over the weekend. So congratulations. They tell me any any landing you walk away from is a good one, isn't it? <laughs> so it's for anyone who knows about how hard it is to get to that marker. It's a very long trip. Uh, so, uh, good on you. Fantastic. So, who's ready for the word? Fantastic. So, I think we've got a PowerPoint ready. I'll turn on my iPad. Yesterday, I, um, I was with Neil Fairbrother at a 10th anniversary wedding celebration for Robert and Renika Nazimbo that used to attend our church many years ago. Some of you would remember Robert and Nazimbo. Great couple, love God. Uh, they've gone and pastored this little African church and they had this big deal 
Uh, Robert had a car accident in 1998 and he fell in love with his nurse. <laughs> his nurse took pity on him and for some reason had to be re-hospitalized about a month after he was discharged. Into the same hospital, the same bed, looking for the same nurse. Anyway, they fell in love. They had their African wedding and then they had the white wedding and he just celebrated and it was an all-day affair. But the joy in the house, the celebration, white men cannot move, although Jeff Glover almost proved me wrong. I think he was almost a substitute for African on the day. And the songs and the trill. There he is, Jeff. You, you had the moves going, didn't you, Jeff? <laughs> and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, um, we sure uh, am uh, grateful. But a terrific celebration and it's just fantastic. Okay, but... In the meantime, we have been actually on the journey through the book of Corinth. Uh, but 1 Corinthians, we, we probably leave 2 Corinthians alone for a while. And whilst we've been in the book for a long time, it's an interesting book in the sense that the subject material has kept changing. So it's not like it's all been the same theme. Uh, last week we did what dealt with women in ministry. And today we're going to deal with a little pericope or a little section of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. I actually want to go to probably about verse 19. And I'm going to get David Delaney to come and read for me today. So let's give David a, a hand. What a great addition he's been to our church. And my, what I was going to say is, I'm about to do the wedding for Robert and Anika, and my iPad died right in front of me. I get the blue screen of death, and I've got an hour to go. These are horrible things when they work. James, a fantastic uh, member of our church. Thank you, Dave, for all that you do. Through to verse 19. He'll be there. Uh, okay, here we go. There you go. Found him. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect." No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it is I or they, that is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that... We are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. 
But if the dead have not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Thanks, Dave. Let's put our hands together for him. Wonderful stuff. Thank you. Um, Tony, could you put a little bit of oil on for us, please? Yeah, if you turn that on. Get the steam a bit hot. Okay. Uh, so we're looking at this particular passage. Very fascinating. Uh, and we're going to uh, just try and get into it fairly quickly because I want to pray for people at the end of this particular service. So next slide. Thanks, uh, Zip Navar. Um, one of the things that I want to talk to you about a little bit is that the Church of Jesus Christ has needs to wrestle a little bit with this whole idea of whether the Word of God is um, something that God physically dictated and someone wrote down word for word and that every letter and every word is absolutely correct. Um, I think it is, personally, and I would like to talk to any atheist or any person who's got a contrary view, and I'd be prepared to have that conversation. But so often what happens, now listen to me here, this is very important, often what happens is we take the conversation to the wrong place. Because we end up arguing over whether you know God built the world in seven days rather than working about arguing about who's Jesus. And what I've found is once you get the big things locked down, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior, and He can change and transform your life, then all those little things don't tend to matter so much. They can be talked out from a different perspective. And so I want to move from the idea that uh, we should try and defend the Word of God as point and jot perfect, which I believe it to be. But when talking to others, we need to be asking more the question, is the Word of God that you have in your hand or electronically recorded in your Bible, is it a reliable witness? So move from infallible to reliable and you have a slightly different conversation. If you want to have the conversation over, is the Word of God infallible? That's something you can have with me if you're studying in the Bible College on theology. You understand what I'm saying? We can argue those fine points there. But if you're talking to someone who doesn't know about Jesus, then it's better to ask the question, is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible reliable? And the truth is, it's incredibly reliable. You don't have to worry about every aspect. You don't have to prove it 100%. But if you can prove it 90% or 80%, that the Bible's reliable, then you can have a conversation about who is Jesus. Okay, so hope I didn't lose anybody on the way because I actually do study the jots and the tittles. But it's a better conversation because most times when you're trying to witness to someone, share your faith, you know, you're going so well and all of a sudden they'll do what the woman at the world did to Jesus, which was, well, you know, is it meant to be this mountain or that mountain? You know, Jesus is trying to talk to you about living water. He's trying to share with this woman who's in deep need that I am the Messiah, the answer to your world. And she wants to talk about which mountain? 
Jesus was smarter than most of us. He says, don't worry about the mountain. Let's come back to the principle. You need to actually worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay, next slide. So what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is oral tradition embedded within the text. And as we heard Suso to say, most ancient cultures prefer oral tradition over written tradition. It's actually preferred. It's only a modern phenomenon, a Western phenomenon, that we tend to prefer the written authority. The word authority is written from the, comes from the word author. So someone who writes something is an authority. That's where it all comes from. We tend to prefer that. That's a new idea. That hasn't been around forever. What has been around forever is generally oral tradition. And so what we have is Paul letting you know what the oral tradition was. The subject is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's passing on received tradition. When we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and he says, he's talking about the Lord's Supper, he says, that which I received from the Lord is that which I pass down to you. That language is saying, clue, 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 here is oral tradition. Now, for most young people today, anybody younger than me, that's probably it, you may not have needed to memorize anything in your life. Uh, one of the, I think, the faults, personally, of modern education is you just have to learn enough to get through the exam and then you're permitted to forget it. You actually don't have to retain any knowledge at all. So if I ask you to quote you know, the Latin declensions of the verbs to do, you couldn't do that. Most young people today have memorized virtually nothing. In fact, it's getting worse now. They don't even know their telephone number. They actually got to go, because I mean, all the smartphones, you, you, don't, you don't need to. You just push the button. That's again new, Nathan. It's very new. In the old days, people used to have to learn stuff. And they had to learn it by rote. They had to commit it to memory and they were very, very good at it. They've actually got, uh, we've got historical records where one Greek guy was be able to actually quote the whole Homer's Iliad by himself and in reverse. We know the Jews were quite capable of memorizing the whole Torah. Today, most Muslims will seek to learn the Quran off by heart. It's a smaller book. So most oral cultures, and here we have oral, oral tradition. So here's the clue. For I pass on to you the Corinthian church, that which I received. That's the same word. That. So this is the clue. The word that and then is the same word, but it just doesn't come out as well in our English. So it's the word hoti in Greek. And so hoti, that in English, that means the girl's very nice girl, okay? In Greek, it means that or then, all right? Hoti. So hoti, Christ died for our sins. This is received tradition. Guys, this is from the cradle of the Christianity. This is from the shadow of the cross. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Hallelujah. That's original. And that he was buried. Very important because that means he died. He wasn't buried. He didn't really die, you see. So that was a part of the early belief of the church that he was raised on the third day. And we suspect that Paul has added the gloss, according to the scriptures. Okay? And then he appeared to Cephas. Very important, because what is, who's Cephas? 
Peter. Yeah, but Cephas is his very early Aramaic name. He's not yet Peter in the tradition. So only later on he becomes Peter, and a little bit later on he becomes Peter the Pope. But in the original tradition, he's still Cephas. He's still been called by his Aramaic name. Very important. Shows that this document, this tradition, is incredibly early. Then he appeared to the twelve, again a technical term to describe the apostles. Then he appeared to 500 at once, of which Paul writes, most of whom are still alive today. Which means if you want to check out our story, you can actually go check out these people. See, to make a claim that something's happened that's unverifiable is something which is prone to myth and to construction and to elaboration. But when you make a claim and you say you can go check with someone about this, you're actually saying this is bolted down concrete history. It happened. And then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the apostles. And then he adds to it in a nice little way because he has had a great mind. Then he appeared to me. And his story is a life change. I was the persecutor of the church, but now I am the one who's prepared to preach the gospel to the whole world. So this is oral tradition. And that's uh, Caviago. Caviago, Caravaggio, artistic work of Paul on the road to Damascus. Next slide. Okay. If you were to go watch Judge Judy or go to a court today, your verbal testimony still has preeminence in law over any written affidavit. If you send a written affidavit to Judge Judy's court, being court of petty sessions, it will be rejected out of hand. Sorry, I don't do that. If you want to defend this case, I want to hear what you say. Your verbal testimony in any case dealing with an historical issue is always going to be verbal. So oral testimony is important. And here's Old Testament theology in a nutshell. Essentially, the Old Testament is the idea that God is a good God and a loving God and we've got different voices challenging that in the divine courtroom of heaven. It's the scene of Job, where you've got the devil saying, well, you know, Job serves you out of false interests. He's got false motives. God says, no, he's a man who's upright. He'll worship me anyway. So that's Old Testament theology in one nutshell. Okay, so oral testimony is to be always preferred over written testimony. In the ancient world, if you gave someone a document to read, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, that he appeared to 500, then he appeared to, Cep- uh, to Cephas, etc. If you ask, would you prefer that, or would you like the oral testimony of someone who saw it, guess which one would they choose? The oral testimony. And I think we would too. Would you prefer to get Peter's letter about it, or would you prefer to talk to Peter? We'd like to talk to Peter. So, next slide. Thank you. So, scan alert. Who knows that there are scams around today? I don't know. Every day I almost get someone who's, you know, I've got a rich relative that's died and left me, you know, 20,000 euros, you know. I just need to send them my bank accounts, you know, or, you know, the, uh, the Rolex. Scams around all the time. Now, here's, here's the deal, guys. Christianity is either the greatest lie ever perpetrated in history. Or it's either the greatest truth. There is no middle ground. It's either religion itself 
is the greatest lie that's ever been perpetrated on human beings or it's the greatest truth. You cannot understand anything of the nature of human beings, their culture, their development without asking that question. And Jesus Christ is absolutely unique. Muhammad doesn't say anything. He only reports that which the prophet that which Allah says through the prophet. Buddha never claimed to be God. Confucius never claimed to be God. Krishna never existed. And if you ask a Hindu, is Krishna a real person? He says nothing's real anyway, so the question doesn't make any sense. It doesn't all this is a dream and illusion. All this is a stage play. And characters walk on to the cosmic stage play and they walk off and there's just something called karma going on. It's all illusion. It's all not real. Only Jesus Christ said he was God in the flesh. Only Jesus Christ said in the book of John, says one day will come when all the dead that have died will be raised to life and I will judge them and their eternal destiny will be based on my decision. Only Jesus said that. Only Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Only Jesus said that. Only Jesus said, I exclusively am the door to God. Only Jesus has exclusive claims to these areas. And so we have to make a decision one day whether we believe Jesus to be telling the truth or whether we believe him to be telling us a scam and a lie. And what the Bible does, which is so refreshing, is that it acknowledges the potential of these differences. That there are people that will lie to tell you a story. There are people that will exaggerate in their interests. There are people that will lie to get out of trouble. There are people that will lie to actually uh, get a deal which they don't deserve. There are people that will cheat, lie and steal. But this is not what's happening here in 1 Corinthians 15. Next slide. As uh, Dave read to us, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. Now he's going on to use this for another argument, but we're using it for uh, this little area here. For if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Is that realistic? Is he telling us the truth? If it's not true, then I am wasting my time and you are wasting your time. If it's not true, that is brutal reality that Paul embraces solidly. It's got to be true or it's all a bunch of nonsense and we are wasting our time. He's clear about that. He's also clear that we apostles would all be lying about God. It's just not one person, but all that tradition, you know, the 500 that saw him all at one time, the 12, Cephas and James. He's not alone in making this uh, idea he has hundreds of eyewitnesses who all testify that Jesus is alive. He's resurrected from the dead. For we've said about Christ raised him to the grave. If it can't be true, that can't be true, then there's no resurrection from the dead. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus has not been Christ, then the Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all have died believing in Christ are lost. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be pitied beyond anyone in the world. That is just blunt, brutal reality. It's either truth 
or it's false. And Paul acknowledges. He understands what myth is. He understands what a story is. He understands what lying is. And what he says is, this is not that. This is, I saw it myself. I've checked it out. I've got other people that can stand with me on the testimony and the witness stand and declare we have seen him with our own eyes. Next one. Okay. It says that uh, when Paul was first saved, uh, this comes from the Galatians account, Galatians chapter 1, verse 16. When I was first saved, Paul says, I did not go up straight away to Jerusalem. He took some time off. Uh, we're not exactly certain how long that was. It's quite possible he went to Petra. Some scholars said that he went to Petra, uh, an incredible uh, temple compound built into the rock of what's now located in Syria. Anyway, he says that he didn't go up to Jerusalem straight away because he was saved on the road to Damascus. It was at Damascus that he was then had hands laid on him by a disciple called Ananias. His sight was restored. He was water baptized. And he began to teach in the synagogue and he stirred up trouble. In fact, everywhere Paul went, he tended to stir up trouble. I don't think Paul was a diplomat. I think he was one of those that would call a spade a shovel. Uh, and then the Bible says that uh, he had, from the Acts account, that they had to get rid of Paul because he caused up this thing, or so much uh, tumult, so much strife. And so he's lowered down over the walls. He got into the basket and he goes off the road. We don't know quite how long that is. However, what we do know from Galatians chapter 1, verse 16 through to 18, he says, after three years, I go up to Jerusalem. So after three years, he finds that it's, it's going to be important for him to go up to Jerusalem and explains his motive. He wanted to submit his revelation at the feet of the apostles. Now, I think that's amazing because I know Christians who don't do that ever. They get a revelation and they just believe they heard from God and they submit it to no one. They submit their revelation to no authority whatsoever. Now, Paul is an apostle with signs and wonders. And guess what he does? He has a revelation. He prays about it. And then after a period of time, he submits his revelation to people that can say, I think it's a goodie or I think it's a baddie. And he submits the revelation to the apostles. And it says that he stayed in Jerusalem. He only saw Peter and he only saw Cephas. Interesting. He only saw James. Sorry, he only saw Peter and Cephas. They're the same person. Sorry. Slow down, Mike. Slow down. He saw Cephas and James. You remember the oral tradition? Talks about James and Cephas. Says he didn't see any of the other apostles. He submits his revelation before the apostles, saying that God according to the Gentiles, and he received the right hand of fellowship. He received endorsement from them to actually continue to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, for which we are all very grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Because we're here as a result of that decision. It says that he spent 15 days with uh, Peter and James. And uh, William Lane Craig, a theologian, uh, PhD, astrophysicist, a very bright man, great apologist. He says, I don't think they spoke about the weather in those 15 days. I don't think they spoke about fishing. What do you think Paul would have done for 15 days sitting with Peter? And James. He had been talking about Jesus. What Jesus said, what he taught, 
What miracles? What, 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 what did you feel like, Peter, when you stepped out of that boat and all that water was around your neck? <laughs> How did you, that's, that's what they would have spoken about. And so the net result is that's when Paul received the tradition. He writes about it in 1 Corinthians 15. That which I received, when did he receive it? He received it back at what's recorded in, one, in Galatians chapter 1, which happened between three to five years after the resurrection. So here we go. Next slide. Quick, quick. Here's a rough timeline. Jesus was born around about 4 BC. I know that messes up all the calendars and all the rest, but one monk who put together our calendar made a mistake by about four years. So Jesus was born about four years before he should have been, <laughs> according to our calendar. And he lived about 33 years. So he was crucified around about 30 CE, the Christian era. Then we know that Paul was quickly converted after that. We don't know exactly the period of time that would have been. might have been six months after. It might have been 12 months. It wasn't a long time, though, from the time that Jesus resurrected because if you read Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 2 is immediately after Pentecost. Chapter 3 is immediately after Pentecost. Chapter 4, we're drifting out a little bit, but it's within the shadow of the cross that Paul, on the road to Damascus, had an encounter with the risen Messiah. It is amazing because he says, Then he appeared to me. He actually appeared to Paul in a slightly different form to what many of the other apostles had seen him, but in that resurrected sense. So the oral tradition was then developed around about three to five years after Jesus died. That's when Paul received these incredible words, Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then he appeared to the 500 all on one occasion. It happened within the shouting distance of the cross. Friends, this means there is absolutely no way this can be a story. It defies human psychology in the way that we think because it takes time for stories to build. It doesn't happen right when it happens. This is right on the doorstep of Christianity. People can still remember what took place and they're still alive to verify the very fact. So next slide. This is an artist's impression of the place that uh, our Bibles call Caesarea Philippi. In the time that Jesus lived and the disciples lived, this was the Disneyland of the gods. It's now in uh, Syria. It's called uh, Panius or Banius in Syria. And uh, it was predominantly a shrine dedicated to the god Pan. That's the little uh, imp-type god that with the flute that's uh, into erotic love, uh, partying, the wildlife and all these sorts of things. They also had the uh, Pan's, uh, Pan's friend, female friend, her name was Echo. Her name was Echo. Oh, you're good today. Very good, very good. Um, but being a polytheistic society, virtually any god that you wanted could have been found at Panius. This was considered to be a sacred place, mainly because... Uh, a, there was a cave behind this one on the left-hand side as I'm pointing to this screen. There's a cave behind this particular temple and out of the cave flowed 
a stream of water, of fresh water. And so they thought this was a sacred place. They built a temple on the front of it, etc. And so it was, a, it was a big deal. If you go there today, this is what you see. Okay? So the temples have gone, but you can still see the cave and how the, uh, the stream produces this water. Now, think a desert region. If you lived in desert and you came across a place like this with a hole and living water that can drink out of it coming out, you probably think it was pretty special. Yeah? So you might understand why they might say this is a sacred site. Okay? If you go a bit closer to the rock wall, uh, next slide, thank you, what you'll find is in the rock wall they've carried these n- they've carved out niches. And so essentially you could bring any god that you wanted to Kadesh Barnea, uh, sorry, to uh, Caesarea Philippi, and you'd locate your little god in one of these little temples carved in the side of the cliff there. So there's, there's a little pan god. I think he's a, I don't think he's a, um, an original. I think someone's put a little terracotta version of the little goat man there with his pan flute. But you can see the niches, they are original niches where you could come, put your own little gods there and do your little bit of worship for your own little god at uh, Caesarea Philippi. So then we go to the next slide. Okay. It's here that Jesus sits down with his disciples. It's halfway through the book of Matthew and there's been these signs and wonders. He's taught the law. He's healed the leper. He's fed the 4,000. He's fed the 5,000. He's done all these miracles and it's sort of like the, the popularity of Jesus is increasing. People are beginning to say that he's the Messiah, beginning to acknowledge he might be the king. And he gets finally to this moment halfway through the book of Matthew and he asks him the question, at Caesarea Philippi, right where these gods are, who do you say that I am? Come on, guys. Who do you say that I am? And the disciples, uh, they said, well, some say that you're a prophet. Some say that you're the reincarnation of John the Baptist. Some say that you're a great teacher. But the challenge of Jesus is, who do you say that I am? In the background of all these other plethora of gods and of options and of mentalities, who do you say that I am? And here's the incredible thing about Christianity, guys. We are not going to ever try what did what Jesus say is true. Most people acknowledge what Jesus said is true. Love God, love people. Who says that's true? The whole thing about Christianity is who he is. He was on put on trial for who he is. Not what he said, not what he did, but who you claim to be. Jesus claims to be God in the flesh. We're going to have Christmas soon. And, uh, you know, we can have so many Christmas cards and so many Christmas trees and all the tinsel all around. And we forget that it's about God pierced into humanity and lived amongst us. Who do you say that I am is the essential question that we'll have to deal with in life. Next slide. Yeah, just flick them all up. So will the real Jesus stand up? Sorry, back again. There's all these ideas about who Jesus is. 
Uh, you've got the last temptation, the homosexual version of Jesus. You've got the Da Vinci Code, the extravagant, he married Mary, he had children version. You've got Jesus Christ Superstar, the rock opera version. You've got the Passover plot, uh, you know, another uh, subversive type analysis that it was all, all made up. Jesus the magician, he wasn't actually any different to any of the other uh, magicians and sorcerers and people that lived. Then you've got the sacred mushroom theory in the cross, where actually it was all about hallucinogenics and, you know, a couple of the early disciples were just doing drugs and had a bad trip. This is out there, guys. This is really out there. And so I think we need to settle in there ourselves. Who was our Jesus? Because we've been left with a testimony that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead to change everything for everybody for all time. The most amazing, life-shattering, changing thing that has ever happened at any time. And if you believe that, it will determine your destiny. If you don't believe it, it will determine your destiny. There's no middle ground. What you believe about the person of Jesus Christ is absolutely determinative on life and death for now and forever and ever and ever. It's essential that we get this right. We are not playing a game. It's not a story. I wish I could burn every Christmas card, although I sent Christmas cards. I wish I could because it dumbs down the stark punching reality that Jesus Christ is real. Absolutely real. And he wants to really get involved with your life and my life. And yeah, look, there's some things in my life now where I've got questions and I don't understand. I have a sick wife and but I know God's real. I absolutely know God is real. Absolutely passionately know he's real. It's not an idea. I have met him. I have spoken to him. Time's gone. As it does. Quickly, next slide. C.S. Lewis, cry out, Lemma. C.S. Lewis said, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. This is the foolish thing that some people say. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of man who says he's approached dead, which is actually, by the way, the testimony of his brothers and sisters before the resurrection. Unless you said he's crazy. Crazy. James changed his mind later. He said he's God. Because he met him, you see. Eyewitness. Or that he was either a devil of hell, which by the way was the testimony of the scribes and the Pharisees. We we know he's got power, but his power's coming from the devil. He's Bazizelbub. Or you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. We have no middle ground. This is not a postmodern option, guys. Jesus is real. And today, I hopefully can gracefully put the pressure on you to understand today, now you have to make up your mind. 
who you think Jesus is. Jesus is on your hands. What are you going to do about it? Because it will determine your destiny. Finally, just to let us get away for today. Last slide. This one I've done with you before, but I just love the analogy of this. This is what you call a magic eye puzzle. So if you look at that the right way, you will see a 3D image come out of the screen. And once you see it, it's all you can see. And in fact, the 3D image that will appear out of screen will be crystal clear. It will have depth to it. It will have shape to it that you cannot see with one vision. The way that you've got to be able to see the magic eye puzzle is that you need to develop what's known as depth of vision. If you look at the surface, you won't see what the designers put there. If you look at the surface, you won't get it. You won't see it. You will not understand necessarily what the person right next to you is going, oh, look what I can see. But it's there. It's absolutely there if you can see it. Now, everybody's going cross-eyed. <laughs> Has anybody seen it? It may be difficult because of its size. You might need more. No, I can see it. I can see it. You actually have to look beyond the surface into the depth of it. Crystal's seen it. Let me put you out of your misery. I'll put it up on the website so you can have a look at it perhaps on a smaller screen. There's just a big heart there. There is a huge 3D heart on that screen. But you may not see it. Unless you just look at it. Do you see it, Jane? Oh, very good. Very good. Stuart's seen it. Oh, June's seen it. Maybe I've told you. Okay, time has gone. I do apologize for going uh, perhaps longer than I'd planned. But what I'd like to do right now is dismiss you so you can go to your coffee and fellowship. But if there's someone here today, if you've not yet experienced God tangibly, I want to pray for you today that over the next week or two weeks that you will experience God, that God will become real for you. It's one thing for you to understand the idea about God and the idea about Jesus, but I want you to find God for yourself. You do not need to prove to me that God exists. I have met him. Do you understand the difference? It's not an idea in my head. I saw Jesus one day in a vision. He totally revolutionized my life. And so if you're here today and you've just grown up in a church or you've just a first-time visitor, you don't know, and you would like to experience God in a tangible way in your life, I want to quickly pray for you that God is going to meet you, bless the socks off you, challenge you, speak to you, appear to you, do something that you will know that God is real and really involved in your life. Because He is, and He desperately wants to be found by you. Great promise. The Lord knows the plans that He has for you, plans to give you a future, 
Not to harm you, but to give you a purpose. And then we often stop and not go into the next verses. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. My prayer today is that for some of you, you will find God for yourself. That's you. Quickly stand up. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. Lord, we thank you for truth that's taught, for truth that's communicated. But, Lord, there's just something about truth when we experience it for ourselves. Lord, we want to meet truth in the flesh. We want to meet Jesus in our own world, dear God. And, Lord, for these hungry hearts that are before you, Lord, I pray that as they seek you, that you would give them spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, Lord, spiritual senses, dear God, that this week, Lord, they will have an encounter with you, the Holy God, and they will know that you are so real that, Lord, they can build their life around that foundational experience. In the name of Jesus, I bless them, Lord, with revelation of your purpose. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, Let's have the band up and meet you for some tea and coffee. Yeah, if you want prayer, come out the front. We'll lay hands on you this morning. Good to do. We, we start off by saying, I believe, I believe. Uh, we, we need to do more than believe sometimes. Sometimes we need to do. We need to experience. I receive, I receive. It's better than sometimes I believe. Believing's good. But if you believe, you should receive. God bless you. Salvation song in Christ.